Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Ex-BBC journalist and author C.J. Grace dealt with the double whammy of her husband's infidelity and breast cancer by refusing to be a victim and keeping her snarky sense of humor. She is a mutated BRCA gene, and this was the second time she'd been diagnosed with the disease. CJ, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I have so many questions. Um, You said that was the second time. So if you wouldn't mind, can you take us back to the first time? You know, how old were you? What was going on in your life? And did you have any symptoms? I just did a routine mammogram in 2007. And they found microcalcifications. And those were the beginning of cancer in my left breast. And at that point, I was told I should try and have that test to see if I had the BRCA gene because my sister had already had breast cancer when she was, I think, 37. I was older. I was in my 50s when I had breast cancer. But it was a shock. I was living a healthy life, I thought. And there it was. You know, it really um, was a huge curveball. And when it happens the first time, it's, it's a huge shock. <laughs> so when you were diagnosed that first time, what stage was it? It was stage one. And I got away with a lumpectomy and radiation. And there was no lymph node involvement. And it was one of those that was estrogen dependent. So that was a different kind of cancer to the one that I had in 2014. That was seven years later. Uh, so, and when I was, when I had cancer the first time I was married and, um, at that point I thought my relationship was pretty secure, (laughs) um, uh, which it wasn't, but so be it. But anyway, um, it was, um, it was a shock, but it wasn't as bad as I had thought it might be. I didn't find that the radiation, the radio, obviously it's not fun to go through radiation, but it was manageable I did a lot of I did the conventional and I also did alternative therapy as well I did both what sort of alternative therapy did you do at that point I had uh, supplements that I did I did IV vitamin c at that time um, and um, I had a resonator machine that was I, I think it was very effective because when they first did the biopsy the they told me that the mass looked like it was one centimeter in diameter and then after having used this resonator machine for maybe two or three weeks by the time I had the surgery the lump was half a centimeter was that connected I don't know but I felt like I was getting good results from that particular machine it's not something that is accepted by western medicine And um, I will say this, you know, cancer is a crapshoot and there are no, there's no one size fits all answer. So I never would want to presume to tell somebody else how they should deal with their own cancer. 
Well, you're certainly not doing that. And I have to say in over a hundred interviews and then talking to hundreds, if not thousands of patients over the years, I have never heard of a resonating machine. So what is it? What does it do? Um, well, there was a, um, this was technology that was from the 1940s developed by somebody called Royal Rife. And it uses frequencies to uh, kill pathogens. And the first pathogen that uh, Royal Rife worked on was TB. And it was very effective. Wow. But then we had antibiotics coming into the scene and it blew that particular technology out of the out of the water. And in addition, it wasn't particularly liked by the um, by the mainstream medical community. Initially, the head of the AMA, a guy called Michael Fishbein, I believe, wanted to buy the patent to Royal Rife's machine. But Royal Rife refused because he really wanted that to be available to everybody and not patented. Uh, he refused. And then they went ahead and, and tried to ruin him and discredit him because they didn't want this, this thing out there. So these days, that particular technology is not accepted by Western medicine, but it's, uh, it has a lot of potential, I believe. But I use that along with conventional medicine. I, 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 would, I would say, you know, it's always a good idea to take the best of everything, not just go one path. That's my view. Yeah, I agree. But that's so fascinating. I had no yeah. idea. So you get away with, as you said, a lumpectomy. I can't speak this. It's Friday. So you get away yes. with surgery. Right. And radiation. Mm -hmm. And, but you do know that you have the BRCA gene, correct? Right. And I have regular screening. That's really important. Um, and the BRCA protocol is a mammogram every year, and then offset by six months, an MRI every year. So oh, you get screened every six months if okay. you have the BRCA gene. Yeah. So did you ever have any concern that you might get breast cancer again? I thought I'd been there, done that. Really? I I'd, yes. I didn't Even think I was going to get... Yes, because I was, I, I changed my diet. I was more healthy. I mean, I did have the stress of having found out my husband was unfaithful in between, that was that is a major stressor. <laughs> and I can talk more about the, the link between breast cancer and infidelity if you wish. But the, the fact was I had no clue that I, I was so shocked when I got breast cancer for the second time. I thought I was squeaky clean and super, super healthy in, the, in, in my lifestyle. Okay, so now take us to that, it's 2014. Did it show up on a mammogram or an ultrasound? And, and talk about that with the timing of finding out your husband was unfaithful. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, you know, our 25th wedding anniversary was the best one ever. At that point, I thought our relationship couldn't get any better. We were living in Hawaii. Um, it felt like I was in the land of the gods. And then <laughs> little did I know that just two years later, both my marriage and my health would be in tatters because he was openly carrying on an affair with a woman half his age whom he refused to give up. Um, he actually offered me a part-time wife position. Uh, <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy spending two or three days a week with her and the rest of the week with you. And I actually thought about it for a while because you don't want your whole world to collapse all in one go. But then, you know, when I got cancer, breast cancer for the second time, and there I was sitting in the uh, 
chemo clinic having an IV dripping these poisons really into my vein he was at a at a resort in Europe with his girlfriend and you know at that point it was so crystal clear that a part-time wife position would not work no that wasn't right for me so so you know okay that we're was, gonna that back was, up yes yes <laughs> so you found out about the infidelity before you were diagnosed the second time right right I have to ask why didn't you leave why didn't I leave at the time because mm -hmm. I, first of all, I did leave in the end. We ended up having a, an unofficial separation once I found out and it, did, it was clear that uh, he, he was not gonna give this lady up. Had he been willing to give the lady up, I, I think we would have probably ended up staying together because I, I'm, you know, I come from a sort of stoic British tradition, you know, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> you know, life is a compromise. Relationships aren't always roses and all of this, but uh, this was way less than roses. Is he British <laughs> or American? No, he was, he was, he was American. Um, uh, and um, so, which was why I ended up in the United States rather than being in England. Um, uh, so, but I, think that it's it probably was connected the the stress of going through the infidelity because it's such a major stressor you have the, the bereavement aspect because it's the death of a relationship or the death of the relationship as you knew it and then you have the potential of moving out of your home which is another stressor major stressor moving and then the third stressor is financial because if you split up you always end up with less than you had before. There's no way you can cut um, your assets in half and have the same amount as you had before. That doesn't happen. Um, so, so stress does cause disease and illness. And there's been a lot of studies out there that have shown that. And of course, cancer is a major uh, disease that is caused by stress. And um, it also happens the other way around. A, a good friend of mine worked for one of the major cancer charities, and she was always seeing marriages collapse around women having breast cancer. And it's very sad because it seems that um, women are far more likely to be left by their men when they are severely ill than the other way around. I mean, there's a study by Michael Glantz that I quote in my book um, that showed that uh, men are tw 12 times more likely to leave a severely ill wife than the other way around. That doesn't surprise we, me. Yeah, we are natural caregivers, us we women. Are. So we'll stick by these sick men, whereas men yeah. have a harder time sticking by us when we are sick. We're emotionally stronger. They may be <laughs> physically stronger, but we are emotionally stronger. We are. Abs well, absolutely. We have the caregiver genes, and I think there is a certain amount of, you know, compassion there, the love and compassion, the you know, you've, you've signed a vow in sickness and in health, and that's part of the whole deal. And maybe women take that more seriously than, than some guys. I'm not saying every guy does, you know, bails, but it does seem that um, it's more likely to happen for the yeah. guy to leave than the woman. I have so many questions, but I do want to save them for another time. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us about the second diagnosis. Now, were you separated already at that point? I was unofficially separated. Unofficially, okay. Um, but we were still in a, a lot of contact. Uh, but 
I had just started dating somebody else and that was lovely, but it was definitely not um, a relationship that we were close enough yet for me to, to be able to expect somebody, expect him to be a caregiver. He was very, very supportive, but it was a long distance relationship. Um, and it definitely was not the same as having um, a loving live-in spouse taking care of you. It was not that. And so you do feel isolation when you are on your own. And, and I felt that I was revisiting quite a lot of the emotional roller coaster stuff that I had when I first found out about my husband's infidelity. I thought I'd got over it. And then it starts coming back again when you find you have cancer. And I was, I was so shocked because I had changed my diet exercised, had a very good exercise program and, and all of this. And then I had cancer again. I was, I, I just didn't think it would ever, ever happen again. I thought I'd, I'd, I'd but you, you dealt could do with everything that. right and still get cancer. Right. Cause it's a crapshoot, yeah. you know, yeah. you, it, it can happen to anyone healthy, yeah. not healthy. And then you see people who are, who seem to be living very unhealthy lifestyles and, and, and ill health never seems to touch them. So, yeah. so you just don't know. So the second time you were diagnosed, was it because of those every six month scans and what happened then? What stage were you and what did your treatment look like? So it came, um, it was found by a, an MRI the second time around. And I had to have not only, um, and I was advised to have a mastectomy, have a have prophylactic mas bilateral mastectomies, and I did not do that. I have um, a particular view on that that may not be um, what other people would think. In fact, my a, a lot of my friends and some of my medical people thought I was nuts to turn down uh, bilateral mastectomy. What did you do instead? Um, I had a lumpectomy with okay. radiation and I had to have chemo because they found a micromat, a tiny, tiny piece of, of cancer in one of the lymph nodes. Um, and that really bummed me out too, because I had a very negative view about chemotherapy. Um, I think everybody does, do. yes. Um, but I negotiated with my oncologist. He, she originally um, uh, prescribed uh, a cocktail of adriamycin and taxol. And I did my research and I uh, asked her to consider giving me carboplatin and Taxol because I had a triple negative uh, tumor, which carboplatin had shown good results for. And carboplatin, although it is a toxic chemical, it's not as bad as adriamycin, the one that they call the red, red devil. devil. Yeah. Yes. And I was very glad that I didn't have that. It, it also creates heart problems. And I had a lot of history of heart problems in my family. So I did not want adriamycin. So my oncologist agreed. She said that that might actually be a, at least as good a protocol. And so I had that for, I think I had six sessions over an 18 week period. Okay. And then I had radiation after that. I want to circle back to something you said at the beginning. You were sitting there getting that chemo infusion. You are separated, but you're not divorced. And you had that realization. So where was your still technically husband at? Where was he at the time? And who was he with? He was with the um, mistress that he was unwilling to give up in Europe. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's funny because 
many, uh, several years, well, not several years prior, a couple years prior, when he, when he started seeing this woman, I had said to him, well, you know, what if I'm ill? Would you come to me oh, if I'm ill, if something happens? And he said, oh, yes. Oh, no, 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 didn't happen. <laughs> When it actually happened, when I was actually sick, nope, he didn't, he didn't come back. And actually, I think I was happier without him there because he was not a caregiving type of person. He was, he, he was used to being ministered to himself um, and it would have been more hassle than, than help to have him there. He, he wasn't, he never cooked. He didn't know how to clean up. He expected everything to be done for him. He was that kind of guy. Um, and um, I certainly wasn't willing to be doing that when I was going through chemo. Of course not. <laughs> Even though I did have my son with me when I went through chemo, uh, my younger son, who's, I love him to bits. He's a lovely guy, you know. Um, he could not be my advocate. I had to be my own advocate. Nobody else would really, uh, would have understood the details the choices. Uh, I knew that if I wanted to have the right decisions made, I would have to make them myself. And I was grateful that I was in a position that I could actually cope with doing that. Um, one, of the, one of the other alternative therapies I did, which is also extremely controversial, um, was IV ozone, intravenous ozone. And there are lots of different types of machines that do that. There are a lot of different um, variations on it. And as I said, it's not a therapy that will suit everybody. But for me, I felt that I did it while I was going through chemotherapy. And I had so far fewer um, side effects and reactions to compared to all the people I saw in the clinic. Um, it was remarkable. So much so that when I was um, seeing my radiologist to arrange the radio radiation therapies after having finished um, chemo, I was still doing chemo, but I needed to see her to plan the sessions. She looked at me and she said, you're looking too healthy to be doing chemo. I hope you're not doing something that's negating the effects of the chemotherapy. Well, my hair had all fallen out, so it must have systemically gotten through my system exactly but, but you know I didn't say anything because I just did not want to rock the boat and I didn't do the IV ozone while I was doing radiation because that is contraindicated because um, radiation works by putting free radicals in your system I believe not necessarily that that's healthy but um, that's that that's the absolute opposite of what IV ozone does which is gets rid of those things um, but I felt that the IV ozone gave me um, so much more energy. I, you know, the, I only threw up once the entire time I was on chemo, right at the beginning, because I didn't take the anti, um, uh, you know, the anti nausea medication uh, quickly enough. It's a bit like when you're going on a boat, if you take the medication on the boat, it's not going to work. You have to take it half an hour before, um, at least. So, so, you know, um, that was what I did. And I did a number of other things as well. Um, and I feel like that, uh, that the IV ozone was exceedingly effective and they use it in, uh, in other countries, but it, um, for whatever reason, it's been blocked in the United States, which I think is a shame. I, I, I just think that there are some good things in both alternative and conventional medicine. And I, it's, it's a shame that they're not combined here. Yeah. I understand the Western medical establishment having trouble with some of the choices you made. But you also mentioned your friends. 
and you chose not to have a bilateral mastectomy, I am very much live and let live. You know, people make their own decisions. You're a grown up. Why did your friends have trouble with that decision? Um, I think it's that, you know, if there's something wrong with a part of your body and you can get rid of it, get rid of it. Maybe that's the view. Um, but I was uh, very concerned about breast implant illness. I didn't want to go flat after a mastectomy as many women are now choosing to do. Um, the reconstruction surgery is actually more problematic than the actual mastectomy. Um, I don't know whether you know about Nicole Deruda's Facebook uh, support group, um, Breast Implant Illness and Healing. To date, she has over 170,000 members on that group. This is for breast implant illness. It is very, very real. Um, for example, one of the uh, poster children campaigning about the problems of breast implants is Crystal Hefner, who was Hugh Hefner's widow. And um, she had uh, breast implants for cosmetic reasons and couldn't understand why she was feeling so unwell. Finally, realized that it was the implants. And as soon as she had the explant surgery, got rid of them, then she started to feel a lot better. I believe that um, Nicole Deruda, the, the lady who set up the Breast Implant Illness Facebook support group, um, was bedridden for six years before she realized what was wrong. Um, oh and then now she's, she's I, I met her here on Maui one time and she's, she's, she's fine, but she had her, her implants removed. Um, and what's sad about that is that yet again, the mainstream community doesn't really accept the problems of these implants. And my doctors, for instance, never really made it clear to me how dangerous those implants could be. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's just one of those things that uh, I think people should be aware of. Everybody should do what they feel comfortable with, but breast implant illness is, as I said, very real. So CJ, you have two children. Did they get tested for the BRCA gene? No, they haven't been tested. They're both male, uh, so they wouldn't get breast cancer, although they could get breast they cancer could. as men, men you men know, can. but, but uh, yeah, so far they have chosen not to test, but maybe they should. And did your sister get tested after? Yes. She got tested after I found out that I had that gene. And so she, she got tested. And at that time, I don't know whether you know about the controversy with Myriad and the BRCA gene. They originally had a patent on the BRCA genes, BRCA1 and BRCA2, which they never should have been given because they only discovered it, they didn't invent it. And um, at that time, the test cost $4,000. There, um, and at the time when um, Angelina Jolie went public about her uh, prophylactic bilac bilateral mastectomy because she had that BRCA1 gene, um, Myriad owned the patent and the test was extremely expensive. Then later on, some years later, the Supreme Court struck down um, the decision to allow them to have a patent on it. And surprise, surprise, now you can have that testing done along with testing for other genetic issues 
um, with a blood test that costs about $100 instead of 4000 Big difference. Big difference. Um, so so um, that's actually a good thing. That Does uh, she so, have the BRCA gene as well? Yes, my sister has the BRCA gene. Um, and, but thankfully, we have the BRCA2, which isn't quite as bad as the BRCA1. And does she have daughters? She has two sons as well. <laughs> and I don't believe they got tested either. And then we don't know where it came from because um, our family was, was uh, killed in concentration camps in the Holocaust. So, uh, so <laughs> obligingly, the Nazis killed them off before they had a chance to develop cancer. <laughs> and so we don't know uh, which side of the family it came from. So, so there you go. But oh um, yeah, it's it is um, the BRCA2 gene is um, a gene that's fairly common in the Ashkenazi Jewish community. And yeah. that was my ethnic background. Got it. What was your worst moment in all of it? Um, my worst moment, I think, was when I found out I had cancer for the second time um, and that I needed to have chemotherapy for it. Uh, that was something that it was finding out I had cancer a second time in some ways isn't as scary as the first time because you have an understanding of what it involves. But I thought I knew what it would involve because the first time was fairly simple and I didn't need the chemo. And once that diagnosis came through and it, it's much more of a life-threatening situation, that is, that is tough. And doing it on my own without a supportive partner in tow that was that was very very difficult. It, I had, I felt like the ground had opened up to swallow me. You know, it was uh, it was a double whammy, and um, I just uh, I was devastated at the time. What was your best moment? The best moment I think was um, finding love again. I had a, um, I mean, sadly our relationship hasn't survived um, a long separation with COVID, but um, we had a, an eight year beautiful loving relationship um, that happened after um, I was separated from my husband. And once I found out I had breast cancer um, and he was lovely, supportive, passionate. And, and I, we, we had some wonderful teenagery times together that I had you know never thought that I would ever be able to have you know when you've been married for a long time and you're sort of you're not a spring chicken it's not like you look like a supermodel you don't, <laughs> have, you don't think you're gonna have that kind of thing happen and then to have somebody in, and he tells you you're beautiful even when you've got no hair I mean that's, that's lovely <laughs> where did he you live know? He lived in London. Yeah. Lovely, lovely man, you know. Um, and it's funny because my ex-husband happened to see me without my hair when he, he came. Um, he, he, he had some a reason to, to, to be in the same area I was in once we were already separated and I was going through chemo at the time. And he, he sort of jokingly remarked that I looked like a 700-year-old vampire, which, you know, I mean, I could see he was making a joke, but, you know, it would have been a crushing if I hadn't already had this 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 wonderful new boyfriend telling me that he still thought I was beautiful with no hair. Yeah, actually, I wasn't. I didn't look like Joan London, I'm afraid. Um, but you know, 
I hate to say it, but I don't think anyone looks better bald than they do without, you know, with with uh, with their hair. I have to say, though, your sister on the cover of that book, she's gorgeous. She yeah. looks gorgeous. She was beautiful. What is one thing you wish you had known at the beginning? And you, you decide the first um, time or the second time. What's one thing you wish you had known? Well, you know, to be honest, um, I don't have any regrets about about it because what the choices I made have it's led not a regret, me to where, though. It's not a regret. It's, well, you know, it's something um, you wish you had known. Perhaps it would have made things easier, or you know, what's what's. Um, I'm wondering if I had done more of the alternative therapy on top of everything else, whether I would have even had the second instance. Okay. You know, you tend to think that if after the 2007 cancer, I did some alternative therapy. I had my, you know, lumpectomy and radiation and all of that. And then you start getting lazy about those kinds of things and just living a normal life. And maybe if I had continued with, um, you know, more use of the resonator machine every so often having IV ozone, all of that kind of stuff on top of eating healthily and exercising, um, who knows, maybe I would have found that I wouldn't have got this second cancer, but, but you just don't know. Cause I also couldn't have undone the stress if I, you know, the stress right. of the breakup of my relationship was, um, I think a major factor and I couldn't really, you know, it's not like that, you know, the Mike Myers, um, Austin Powers movie where you could rewind the, the <laughs> fembot. <laughs> I can't rewind my life and change it, um, you know, but it, it, it so th that stressor I couldn't have undone. And in many ways, as I said earlier, I'm very glad that it happened because I didn't realize that I was unhappy in that marriage. And I didn't, if I hadn't, it's funny because in my new book, My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity, in the acknowledgements, I actually thank my ex-husband's mistress, who is now his latest wife, because had she not come onto the scene, I would never have had the life that I have now, I would never have experienced the joy, the love, the creativity and the freedom that I have now. Um, so I'm actually very grateful to both my ex-husband and his mistress because they gave me a gift. I didn't realize at the time, but they gave me a gift. And even going through cancer, although it's sort of people always say, oh yes, what's it teaching you this? And you wanna, when, when you're going through cancer and people say, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's teaching you something, it's a lesson. You actually wanna sock them in the face for saying that because, oh, you want a lesson, you have my cancer then. But the fact is that it does give you a new perspective. If you get through adversity, if you get on the other end of adversity, it is a catalyst to make your mind, your life better than it was before. And there's, there's no question. If you could only do one thing, CJ, to change healthcare in the US, what would it be and why? I would integrate alternative medicine with conventional medicine. I would allow some of these um, blocked technologies to be used um, because I think they're effective. And, um, allow people more choice in the kinds of treatments that they that they can have. For example, in China, um, they integrate traditional Chinese medicine and conventional medicine with no problem. They don't see any problems with that. It's just because it's so much part of their culture to have it is part of their culture. Chinese medicine. Yeah. Um, so 
I think that it would be a lot better if, the, if they were integrated, if it wasn't such a schism. Um, I never even told my doctors that I was using, um, that I was doing IV ozone, I, nor did I tell them that I was using the Rife resonator machine. Um, they would not have thought, they would have thought it was rubbish. Um, but the fact is, you know, one of the things that I will say, whether you could say that maybe these things work because they were placebos, because I believed in them, because the placebo effect is very, very strong. CJ, are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire questions? I think so. <laughs> beach, desert or mountains? Oh, well, I live in Hawaii. No brainer, beach. <laughs> beach boys, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Well. I have to say, none of the above, Baroque classical music. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's a first. I, I've had a replacement before, but it's usually from someone who's 20 years old. So <laughs> <laughs> what is one word that best describes you? Well, I'd like it to be witty. I hope that's true. I was going to say funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Summertime. Summertime when the living is easy. That's my song. I love Ooh, it. Gosh, you can sing too. What about the last meal you want to eat? Um, well, I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian. It would have to be grass-fed tenderloin or filet mignon with a salad. And then I would have one of those wonderful princess cakes with marzipan <laughs> and straw fresh strawberries. And finally, some really good European dark chocolate. And what about the last person or people you want to see? Well, it would be my two sons. And, I, and I, I'm glad you said people, because if you said person, I said, oh, which one do I choose? Oh, I changed so it to people because people, <laughs> he, other people got mad at me when I said person. I was like, okay, I'll just say people. No, I don't um, have to choose between my sons. That's, right. that's too difficult. And what about the last words you will speak? Uh, well, it's probably going to be, <laughs> but actually, you know, uh, it would be nowhere to go, but up. Oh God. I like that. And aside from cancer, you, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers, and please tell people how they can get in touch with you. Well, what I did on my website was I put together some resources that I thought would be very useful for cancer. Oh, cool. um, and I have a couple of free PDFs. One is about breast cancer, 10 tips to stay sane after a breast cancer diagnosis. And then I have another one um, about infidelity, which is um, overcoming infidelity, tools to tame the roller coaster of negative emotions, which also work for going through cancer because you have plenty of negative emotions with that. So I, I did try to put together um, some resources on my own website, Cancer Skincare, a reading list, um, my, my book, uh, My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity has a really heavy duty bibliography. And so I reference almost 70 books in there. And I think that that gives people a lot of reading material. Um, information is power. That was one of my mantras for, for getting through, through cancer. That and um, if you don't laugh, you cry. So humor, 
and being informed. Those are the resources you need. Be informed, feel comfortable what you're doing with what you're doing. And don't, don't worry about all the unsolicited advice you're going to get. You're going to be besieged with uh, unsolicited advice yes. from people who go, or they get all fire and brimstone. It's like, you know, you're, you're gonna die if you don't listen to me. Well, you know, one of the things that um, I would say to that, because I got so much unsolicited advice, I've got a, a, something to show you here. This is my answer. I'm not dead yet. I've got a badge from Spamalot to prove it. Because, you know, I didn't follow everybody's advice. Um, you know, people were telling me, oh, the chemo and radiation is toxic and doesn't work. Well, I did it, you know, yeah. and other people were saying alternative medicine is pure quackery. Well, I did alternative medicine as well. And, you know, give up this, give up that, you know, give up milk. If you don't give up dairy, you're going to get cancer again. Well, I'm a Brit. I've got to have milk in my tea. So, I'm <laughs> here. you know, I'm still here. And as I said, I've got that badge to prove it. Um, I wanted to get more of these, but I couldn't find any. I think this is a now has become a collector's item. eBay. But, you need but, to go on eBay. No, no, you can't find them anywhere. But really? I love it. You know, I'm a Monty Python addict. And uh, so what I would say is ignore all that unsolicited advice. Go with your gut. Do what feels right to you and and you'll be fine. And for people listening, shout out for your website. Would you tell everyone your website? My website is, I'll have to say it in British and in American, because uh, sometimes people misunderstand it both ways. CJAuthor.com, as in somebody who writes a book, not the author as in write round table. CJAuthor.com or in American, CJAuthor.com. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, we'll make sure we put that in the workshop in the show notes. CJ, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you. It's been a blast. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.